God changes your life, changes your thoughts, changes your desires, and changes your interests, and it comes out of God's Word. It's really learning to know God out of His Word. You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Hello, thank you for watching. You've probably noticed that things around us all around the world are changing rapidly today. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what kind of a job you have, whatever your status in life, you could probably look around and it probably doesn't escape your attention that things are rapidly changing. And we could look at technology. In fact, I was just watching this um, uh, informational thing on on AI, artificial intelligence, and I was uh, astounded to learn uh, of the exponential growth in information in the world today simply because of artificial intelligence. Absolutely exponential growth in the available information that we have in AI, eventually, they're predicting, is going to take over everything, and it's going to be more and more a part of our lives than it already is. And so, uh, AI... And uh, we're also moving toward a cashless society. And so, uh, again, rapid changes in uh, technology. We could look at economies. We could look at cultures. We could look at shifting uh, world powers. Uh, No matter where we look, we see change. And uh, it leaves us wondering, where are things headed? Where is this change going And uh, what is the world going to look like in the future? In fact, what's going to happen to the world? Uh, Is the world going to end? What, What is coming in the future? Well, God has graciously provided us a roadmap of the future in the Bible. Uh, God has graciously provided um, a, a broad overview of the end times, which uh, students of Bible prophecy would say are are near rather than than later. And the end of the world is coming probably soon. And uh, and when we look at Bible prophecy, what is the next big event that's going to take place? And by the way, we want to talk about four events over the next four weeks here, four big events. And the next big event that's going to take place that the Bible tells us about is the second coming of Christ. That's right. Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago, but the, the Bible predicts and Jesus himself predicted that he would return. And so we talk about the second coming of Jesus. He came the first time as a little babe, and he's coming the second time as a king. And in fact, uh, we get these two pictures as we look into the Old Testament. And uh, when we look in the Old Testament, we find two seeming contradictory pictures of the Messiah. And one of these pictures is that the Messiah would come as the conquering king. And uh, I want to go to uh, just point out some of these scripture passages and flip over here real quick to Isaiah. And if we look at Isaiah chapter 9... And verses 6 and 7, it says, uh, this is speaking of uh, Jesus, the, um, the Messiah who would come. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." 
Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so here, here's this uh, child who would grow up and uh, have the weight of the government on his shoulders. And uh, he would rule over the world and uh, have this uh, eternal, never-ending world rule. Okay, that's one picture of Messiah that we get in the Old Testament. We also see this over in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 10, where, where we see that the Messiah will be coming in power and will bring, <clears throat> excuse me, will, will bring rewards with him. And so we see the Messiah coming in power, rewarding the faithful. And uh, in Malachi 3, 1 and 2, we see, <clears throat> we see the Messiah coming suddenly and swiftly to judge his people Israel. And so this picture of Messiah is one of a conquering king, one who comes in power and might and in judgment and sets up his rule all over the earth. And uh, this is what we have not seen yet um, in the person of Jesus. And so this, but this is one picture in the Old Testament. It's not the only picture that we get of Messiah, okay? We get a seemingly contradictory picture um, in, in the Old Testament of Messiah as the suffering servant. And uh, if we look at Psalm 22, <clears throat> Psalm 22 is a remarkable psalm written by David many, many centuries before the crucifixion of Christ, yet describes in great detail the, the specific aspects of the crucifixion of Jesus. It's a remarkable prophecy. And there we see that the Messiah would be forsaken, he would be poured out like water, his bones would be out of joint, uh, he would have pierced hands and feet. Does that sound familiar? This was written by David many, many centuries before Jesus ever arrived on the scene. And so uh, it's this, this Messiah who would suffer. And then in Isaiah 50 verse 7, we have the Messiah would be scourged with laceration and his beard would be plucked out. Again, it sound, that sounds uh, familiar to us, I think. And then in Isaiah 52 <clears throat> through 53, 52, 13 through 53, I'm not going to read all these verses, but this is a well-known passage which speaks of Jesus as the suffering servant, or it speaks of Messiah, the coming Messiah who would be the suffering servant. And it says this in verse 3, he is, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our, our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has hath laid uh, on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, 
so he opened not his mouth. Is this sounding familiar like Jesus Christ who laid down his life, uh, who loved us so much that he gave himself on the cross of Calvary to be the sacrificial lamb to pay for our sins? This was predicted by the prophet Isaiah here in Isaiah 53. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And then he goes on. And we could spend a lot of time here in Isaiah chapter 53, and it's so such a rich passage and uh, and uh, reveals so much meaning about the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But see, this stands in stark opposition to the kingly, conquering uh, Messiah that, that would come that we see in other passages. And so we see the suffering servant, and we see the, the coming king. And uh, Old Testament um, saints, Old Testament uh, students of Scripture, could not reconcile these different pictures. Uh, they didn't know how these fit together. And, uh, you know, if we weren't right now in history looking back, we wouldn't understand that either. How could all of these seemingly different prophecies come true? How could he be the suffering servant who would die for the sins of the people and be put in a grave and yet have this unending kingdom? And uh, it's no wonder that the Jews rejected Jesus when he came, because he was such a humble man, and he was born in a manger, and uh, and he just did not live up to, and actually did not fulfill uh, these uh, these greater, uh, more magnificent uh, prophecies about the coming, conquering king. That's not what Jesus did the first time around at his first coming 2,000 years ago. But he did fit to a T, like a hand in a glove, the prophecies that describe the Messiah as the suffering servant, and Jesus did come to serve. He came to serve us by dying for us. And it's by his stripes, the wounds that were inflicted in his body, that we are healed. Um, but that leaves uh, open, and what remains is, are all these prophecies that are yet unfulfilled. And so think about this. If Messiah is going to come and rule an unending kingdom all over the earth, uh, then that yet remains, and it is yet future because it has not been fulfilled yet. And so as Christians and as Bible believers, we look to the future, and right now we're looking to the near future, and we're saying Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And why would we not believe this? You know, we can look back in history, and... Uh, and we know that Jesus came as the suffering servant. Everybody knows this. It, it's it's pretty much undeniable. You, you you'll have a hard time arguing it with history to say that Jesus was not the the suffering servant that was predicted by the prophet Isaiah. And so, if if Jesus actually did come according to the prophecies, and he fulfilled that suffering servant role. Why would we think that he's not coming back according to the same prophets uh, 
Uh, and now add to this the prophecies that we have in the New Testament, how could we not believe that Jesus is coming back just like he said? If Jesus came the first time and fulfilled the prophecies, believe that he is coming again and that he will fulfill those prophecies. So again, the next thing that we look toward is the second coming of Christ. See, uh, the way that we resolve the two pictures is in two comings. And, uh, and so we are, we are looking forward to, this, to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, actually, the second coming itself is, un, here in Scripture, unfolds into many events. And so it's not just that Jesus is coming back to this earth and, boom, you know, setting up his kingdom. No, there are many events that are foretold that are going to lead up to this. And uh, the first big event, the first part of Christ's second coming is what we call the rapture of the church. And what that means is Jesus Christ is coming back and all those who are in him. Remember last week we talked about, uh, well, two weeks ago we talked about what it means to be born again. Remember Jesus had told Nicodemus, uh, if you're not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And so for all those who are born again, this is everyone who has been saved, who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's going to take us back to heaven with him. He's going to snatch us away. That's, the, uh, that's what the Greek word means in, in the New Testament that speaks of the rapture of the church. It means a snatching away and... Uh, and basically, Jesus Christ is coming back for his own. So if you belong to Christ, Jesus Christ is coming back for you. And why would he come and take us up from this earth? The Bible says that uh, he's going to take those who are dead in Christ and who are right now in the grave. And they're going to resurrect and come up out of the graves. And the ones who are alive at Jesus' coming will be caught up into the clouds and and will be taken to heaven and live with the Lord. Why would he do that? Well, uh, next week we're going to look at the second big event in Bible prophecy, and the Bible talks about a coming period of tribulation. Uh, this is uh, This is hard times here on this earth like we've never seen it before. And Jesus Christ is gracious, and he's not going to allow his people, the church, to go through that terrible time, and so he's going to rescue us from that. And I want to read just a few verses. Here's John 14, 3. Here's Jesus himself. Again, Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies already. Let's believe what he says about his second coming. He says this in John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is a blessed promise for us who believe in Jesus Christ, and I hope that you believe in Christ, and so that you have this hope of believing in Jesus' promise that he will come 
and receive you to himself and take you up to heaven with him. That's the glorious uh, thing that we are looking forward to as believers. And then in Romans 13, verse 2, the Apostle Paul said, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul says, uh, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. And the day that he's referring to is the coming of the Lord. And let us prepare for that by casting off the works of darkness and putting on works of righteousness. Uh, and then in James 5.8, he says, uh, James says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Jesus Christ's coming is near. And we don't know when. He didn't give us a date on the calendar. And so, but he told us to be ready. And by the way, when you were a kid, if you knew dad was coming home, how did that change your behavior while you were at home? Let's say, you know, dad left and he gave you a job to do while, you, while he was gone. And he said, I'm coming back and I want that to be done. But he didn't tell you when he was coming. What would you do? Well, you'd probably make sure to get that job done because dad's coming home. Okay, Jesus said to be busy about the work that, that he gave us to do. And one of those things is to put on righteousness, to do righteous works, um, and to put off these works of darkness. But James says, um, establish your hearts, um, uh, strengthen your hearts, and be ready, because the coming of the Lord is drawing near. It's near, and it's, it's so much nearer today than when James wrote this. And then Titus 2, 13 and 14, uh, again, Paul in Titus says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And so again, he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the appearing or the coming of Jesus Christ for his saints is the blessed hope of the church. That is our blessed hope. And I hope that you have that same confidence and hope in you that when Jesus Christ comes, you're going to get to go with him and that you're not going to be left behind as as unbelievers will be. Um, and then finally, let me just read you one more here in 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5, uh, because you need to know these things. If These things are really happening, and you need to know, uh, because you're probably going to be living through these things. And this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Again, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. He's speaking spiritually here. Don't, don't be asleep spiritually. Uh, be awakened. Know what's coming um, and be in fellowship with God. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 
For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another with these things. So, he says, God has not appointed us to wrath. Okay, we don't have to go through the horrible things that are awaiting this earth that I'm going to talk about next week. Uh, we as believers don't have to go through that because the Lord Jesus Christ is gracious. He loves us. We belong to Him. He's going to rescue out of this earth, rescue us out of this earth before He brings terrible judgment on those who rebel against Him. And so, what are you to do with this uh, information? The fact that Jesus Christ is coming. Well, what I would say is you need to be ready. First of all, you need to know that he's coming, and he is coming. Uh, you're on uh, shaky ground to doubt his coming. When we've, we can just look back in history, and we can already see that he did come once already, according to prophecy. Let's believe that he is coming the second time. And so be ready. And, uh, and it's, it's time to be saved. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And you, you need to make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to make sure that his death on the cross applies to you um, and that you've confessed your sin and asked, asked him to save you from your sin. And when you do that, his shed blood pays for your sin. It removes the guilt and pays the price that you owe to God because of your sin. And so uh, trust in Christ as your Savior. Depend on Christ as if your life depends on it. And call out to him for salvation. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is your most urgent need today. Right now, you need to make sure that you are saved and that you have that you know Jesus Christ and that he is your Savior. And when he comes, and the Bible says he's coming soon, and we can just look around today and, and we, we know, uh, and we can begin to see the signs of his coming. We know he's coming, and you need to be ready uh, to meet him. And so, uh, once again, confess your sin, call on the, on the Lord, and be saved today. And then you will have this blessed hope that when Jesus Christ returns, you'll get to go to heaven with him. And, uh, and that is a blessed hope to have. Okay, we'll come back next week as I talk about event number two in, in world events according to Bible prophecy. I hope to see you. Thank you.
Jerusalem.